The information in this podcast is educational in general in nature and does not take into consideration the listener's personal circumstances. Therefore, it is not intended to be a substitute for specific individualized financial, legal, or tax advice. To determine which strategies or investments may be suitable for you, consult the appropriate qualified professional prior to making a final decision. Go for it, Three, two, one, go. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of In the Market Trenches. Happy New Year. I know we took a couple weeks off uh, in between the holidays. Get refreshed. If this is your first time checking us out, I'm Eric Fury, joined here with uh, Gary Reby, and we're kicking off the new year with a guest, Kevin Shea. Um, before we get into today's discussion, if this is your first time uh, listening to us, remember you could find us anywhere podcasts are available. You could check us out at inthemarkettrenches.podbean.com. You could check us out at snn.network. We're also available on the SNN YouTube channel. That's youtube.com slash SNN Wire. Kevin, Happy New Year. Thank you for joining us today. We're really happy to have you. Well, thanks a lot, guys. Look forward to having some fun on this uh, podcast. Kevin, we met on one of Bobby's other podcasts, and um, producer Bobby's other podcasts. Uh, but uh, maybe you could just, uh, if we could start on a high level, just tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, your background. Uh, you've got quite a Twitter following. You're, you're quite the Twitter personality. Thank you. Um, yeah, my background is uh, engineering. Uh, I have a degree in, in mechanical engineering. And uh, through a, throughout a career, I, I had exposure to an awful lot of different types of situations and uh, different companies and the like. Um, I built the business inside of one of the Teledyne companies uh, that went pretty nicely until they wouldn't pay me any longer. So um, I wanted more money. They didn't want to pay me. So I went out and started another company. Subsequently, I ended up founding a software company way back when I had red hair and um, then left that area and, and began to begin a career in management consulting and worked my way through a number of different large companies, uh, a lot of Detroit based companies. Um, and at the time was uh, prominent in the area of, of process improvement and things of that type I was writing papers and writing articles on methodologies that companies could use to improve their operations and efficiencies, uh, productivity particularly. And so my background tends to be, uh, comes from a technology base and a operations and executions base, a bit of strategy. Uh, I was recently on the board of directors of a microcap company and, and had a very interesting experience there as well. So that was a, that was a, uh, a very interesting learning experience. I felt very, very comfortable in it. I did feel like I was management consulting, and that was quite the, quite the interesting observation. But uh, in my career, I knew that my management consulting would ultimately come to an end, and uh, I had to do something that would be interesting to me. So I chose to get into investing and started investing full time, mostly about 10, 12, 15 years ago. Uh, an interesting thing about me, as I mentioned, I'm a technologist. And so one of the things that became interesting along the way is not just understanding the companies and the business that they're operating, but also technical analysis. Um, it felt good at the time. I, I like being able to use mathematics in, in a way that can help you understand what the sentiment is in the market for the company. And so when I look at a business, I can get a bit of fundamentals and get a bit of uh, quant uh, activity going on at the same time. So um, that's where I'm at, that's what I use. And if you go back to my Twitter handle, um, I do do an awful lot of technical analysis. I respond to a lot of people who ask the technical analysis. So uh, there's a little bit of a conversation going on there. 
and I feel comfortable in it. I'm and sure Kevin, I don't think we mentioned your your Twitter handle yet. Where can oh, people find you? Oh, my Twitter, Twitter handle. Yeah, it's at the good trick. You know, I mean, yeah. it's pretty. That the whole story. I wrote the whole story up, and it's on the pinned tweet 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 on the uh, my first line. So that was an interesting story, but it was a true story, and um, it it was oh okay, let's do it this way. And so yeah, it's there. Um, it's fun. I'm telling you, I hesitated for a long, long time of being on Twitter, but now find it to be give us give us the short version of the story. And if people want to check out the full version, they uh, have to follow. And read on the Twitter. Twitter yeah, yeah, I was yeah. at an investor conference, yeah, you know, with people uh, from the Microcap Club, uh, and you know, I know a lot of them, but some of them I know only only peripherally. And one of the guys came up to me during a, a meet and greet and over a beer, and uh, my my. Um, my background, in, in doing a lot of the work on Microcap Club, people got to know me as doing a lot of deep diligence. I'm a lot of, I do a lot of diligence, and I'm not shy about asking very, very hard questions, and really trying to pound into what's going on in a company. So, with that as a background, um, this this fellow came up to be in the in the beer uh, parlor, and he said, "I understand you do a lot of deep due diligence and uh, you know work work to uh, to." Uh, Get the CEOs a little bit riled, and I said, "No, well, no, not, not necessarily." He says, "Yeah, but he says, well, you sound like a prick." And I said, "Well, if if I am a prick, then I'm a good prick, you know." And that's how it started off. And the, the guy said, "That's a great handle. You should do something with that." You know, it, it basically exposes you, and you know, and it, also if I wasn't called the good prick, it would be I would be called the good pit bull. That's the other thing that people have called me. So, um, it's because of the way in which I do interviews, and I just. Don't take it for granted. You know, I am blunt as hell. You know, so yeah, <laughs> the good prick. That's too funny. I I also have a have the you know I, I have affinity for people who do that because I th I feel like I, I do a fair about, bit of that myself in terms of uh, just being that guy wherever you go that you know in a, in a room. And so it's uh, it's nice to meet somebody else who's who has no problem being that way. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I haven't got time. I mean, literally, I haven't got time to screw around. That's what it comes down to. It's like, look, stop, 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 stop. Okay. You know, I want to know this. Well, it, it's really quite funny because people have in this Twitter exchange that I just had recently, they want to know how I do it. So, you know, might, it might very well be something that you and I, Gary, could, could write a paper about. How, how do you just cut through the, 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 the BS and get to the real question that you want asked? I just tell them to stop. <laughs> Literally, I just like look, stop. Okay, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm st stop. And they look at me like, well, I haven't told you my story yet. And I, said, I don't want to hear your story. I want you to tell me what it is that I want to know. So you should be listening to me, not talking at me. It's funny. So take us a little bit through uh, your your evolution as, as an investor. You've been doing this for about you said twelve to fifteen years. Um, you know. On our podcast, we like to talk about the lessons learned. Maybe we can get to some of those, but walk us through some of the evolution of, of the good prick as an investor. I, I think that the, go back and look at the idea of, you know, when you start investing, what do you know? And much of what you know is nothing. You're gonna learn everything by, by investing. I mean, you don't take a class for it. You don't do anything about it. You don't pay anybody to do it. You know, maybe you pay stockbrokers, but they don't make you any money either. So ultimately what happens is investing is is a course in and of itself and the dues that you pay are the losses that you make early in your investing career. Okay. So 
one has to be in a situation where if you want to invest, you better damn well expect to be loser for a period of time. Um, if you, you know, go back to the baseball analogy, I mean, ultimately, if you if you hit thir- you know, 333, you know, 33, what is it, 300%, you're doing damn well, okay? Um, and you're striking out a lot. If you're investing and you make over 50% things right, you're doing very, very well. And so again, <laughs> you have to learn how to accept the losses that you take, or at least minimize your losses, figure out a way to, to I mean, I, I think money management is a major, major area that needs to be learned out first. It's the whole idea of, you know, investing your mother's money, just don't mm-hmm. lose the money. Um, right. So I think that there's, that it, one has to begin to li- see these lessons learned um, in investing that, that accrue over time, just because of the fact that you're in the business, you're making decisions, some of them are right and some of them are wrong. Don't gloat on the good ones and don't fear the bad ones. I mean, it is what it is. I mean, again, I go back to what my sentiment is, is that just don't lose the money. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I mean, Eric and I, I think we've we've managed to learn lessons every which way. Um, I don't know how we haven't met before because what you were saying, it's like it's like you were reading my mind in terms of how I, how, how Eric and I think about this stuff. Um, what are, uh, as you sort of went through it, what were some of the most important lessons that you learned along the way? In, in what, interviewing or, or watching uh, companies or, or in- uh, Yeah, and, just and, as you evolved as an investor, you know, like what, what, what were yeah. some of the most uh, important lessons that you learned along the way and, and how did you learn them? Um, as I said, I think the first lesson truly is to to uh, implement the plan in which you don't lose as much money as you might otherwise lose if you didn't have a plan. Okay, so number one, if you just haphazardly are investing, then your investments would be haphazard. You know that I think that's the first thing you got to do. Um, in the in the long term of that, the the outcome of of it is really seriously consider um, developing and following a plan or what other ones, other people might call a system, your own system, your own plan, and don't listen to anybody else. I think one of the biggest mistakes that most people use is because they don't understand stuff that they rely upon others to tell them. Mm. Uh, And I did a poll recently on on, on Twitter, asking people who they they, uh, listen to or what they do, and only 25% uh, had their own plan, meaning 75% didn't. And the 75%, basically, the, the response that I had was that I feel my own gut and I make my own decisions. The more interesting thing is that nobody uses the stockbroker. That was, that was quite funny. So, I, you know, yeah. again, is that the idea of, of you want to listen to somebody else, but somebody else's opinion, it can be just as bad as anything else that's out there. So I think that there are, there are hundreds of lessons like that. You know, don't be arrogant. Don't be certain, because as soon as you're arrogant and certain, you're going to lose. You know? So... Again, be humble. And again, I, that's another thing that I took a took a look at it in in my Twitter my tweet form there was to um, find out whether or not people um, react that way. You know, how do they how do they how do they money manage? Do they use stocks? And again, the data was all over the place. I'm, I was pretty shocked with that. You know, no nobody uses stocks. So they use head stops, or manual stops, things of that type. And again, um, it's the idea of you know you know that trading is very very emotional. And how do you control your own emotions? And if you can do that, again, you can do very, very well um, because emotions reflect you reflect back in the money management of things, in my opinion. And again, I mean, it's it's 
figure out what you want. I mean, you know, are you the other part that I'm having questions about? Not not questions for me, but questions to anyone on 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 uh, Twitter who's listening is what is your time frame? Okay, mm -hmm. if your time frame is is a long term investor, as we had spoken offline. Um, that's different than if you're a day trader. That's different if you're a swing trader. It's different if you are a midterm long, long hold. Okay. So again, um, when you aren't certain about what your time frame is, but you are listening to somebody else, sometimes when you're listening to that person, you think that they're talking in your time frame when they aren't. Yeah. So I think that people. I think that decision. And what about you? Clouded. What about you, Kevin? How would how would you answer some of those questions that you put out to the audience at Twitter? You know, are you, what's your time frame? Do you use stops? How do you trade around positions or think about that? I, I think I heard you say you use technical analysis. How does that kind of get overlaid onto your portfolio and in, in your thinking? In my portfolio, I've got about 50% longer term investments, 40%. And what's long, what's longer term? Um, Anywhere between six and six months and two years. Okay. Uh, that's kind of the backbone of the portfolio. Uh, the other portion of it is mostly in swing trades, something that's going to be anywhere between literally, depending upon the way the stock reacts, literally between a couple of days and a couple of weeks. And I don't day trade. Um, I found that that's too emotional for me. I just can't deal with it. It's a, it's to me, my lifestyle doesn't fit that lifestyle. And I've, I've actually, I'm on a forum that um, I'm engaged in mostly watching these guys trade and scalp. I mean, I can't even I can't even begin to think about scalping. I mean, that's that's a minute and two minute trades. So again, it, mine mine tends to be a little bit more uh, 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 slower uh, uh, trading. Um, it might be because of my age. I have no idea, but it's the choice that I made. So walk us through the difference between something that you might trade versus something that you might have as a longer term investment. Okay, yeah. so trading might be something that is, an emo is, the, is a momentum stocks. Right now, the momentum stocks are EV vehicles, uh, a blockchain, uh, Bitcoin related activities, um, some of the some COVID related things. I've been in and out of a bunch of COVID related things as, as the COVID sector has shifted dramatically from early activities with uh, with uh, uh, Sorrento and early stuff with uh, with the Moderna, and now to the mask business and into something else, and now into vaccines. So, again, if you if you're watching something like COVID, which is a very fast acting sector, I think you have to be very fast to get in and out of how the thing moves and how the how it, it reacts to people's sentiment. So, uh, I do I will do that. I, I also the reason why I'm in for either two days or or two weeks is pr principally because I'm watching the I'm watching the chart, and I have a technique that I've used. I I, I labeled it uh, UBB stab slash FOMO, uh, which has to do with the way in which price exceeds the upper Bollinger Band. If you're familiar with the technology phrase, and once it goes once it once it closes outside of that on large volume, that to me is a signal to really start packing your bags because uh, way too often. I mean it's. 80% of the time. I haven't got the data. I haven't got any specific absolute statistics on that. But 80% of the times, if you have a stock that closes outside of the of upper Bollinger Band, it's going to retract. Yeah. So, so, so do you feel like that that kind of analysis is more applicable for things where there's a little bit of uh, speculation and mania going on? 
you're trying to basically quantify it in a, into a trading strategy versus say, you know, the S&P 500? I have found it doesn't necessarily be, it's not specific. It can, it can be, it can, I've seen it in uh, 60 minute charts. I've seen it in uh, daily charts and I've seen it in weekly charts. Okay. Now, as we know, investing, I mean, if you're looking at it in a, in a, in a weekly chart, then the reaction is going to be very, very slow. I mean, it's going to take months, no, certainly multiple weeks to, uh, to uh, end up in its, in, its, um, in its final form. But what I've been doing is I've been looking at it in 60 minutes where I can watch it much faster. And so you see it time and time and time again in the 60 minutes. So that's something that I use as a means of being able to determine whether or not I'm going to stay in for two days or for multiple days. But at the same time, if I'm in for two days and the thing comes back, drops back down again, revision to the mean, I might think about going back in again, but I don't like to play the same stock twice. And so now the longer term, contrast that with the longer term investments. What are you, what are you doing there? Is it fundamental due diligence and research? And is, is that yes. the primary driver with some sort of secular trend maybe? Yes, I, I look at, I might now into a, into a, a company that um, is in the cigarette business. Okay. I'm not going to name the company just for the sake of making it easy. Um, if you think that you wanted to be into Juul way back when, uh, would you have joined? Okay. Um, I think the company that I'm looking at uh, has a very, very interesting uh, forward-looking opportunity in basically being able to sell non-nicotine non-nicotine cigarettes. It's a little bit of CB, it's hemp and CBD. Uh, so there's a, there's a lot there. And I, I've, I came across it because the, the, uh, the guy who's a CEO has an exceptional, incredible background in being able to sell cigarettes and non-nicotine non type of cigarettes. And this is, it's, I, I looked at it as being a bet the jockey um, opportunity, but now I've been watching it for almost three months. And they are executing like it's gone out of style. I mean, I'm just, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I love this word. I'm gobsmacked, okay, at how these, how the execution is proceeding in this particular company. So I've done the due diligence. I've looked into the thing. I've seen. I've, I've been looking at. This is a Canadian listed company. I've been looking at Cedar. Uh, I've been, you know, undertaking and, and reading everything that they've got. Um, I've been calling various companies and various people to see whether or not they think that this thing is indeed uh, legitimate and things of that type. So um, so I'm into that thing. I think that's going to be, for me, it's going to be a two-year holding. Okay. Um, I, I'm just, I, I, just get this, I just get the sense that it's a jewel-like move. Okay. Uh, hmm. So, you know, I'm not going to trade that thing. I'm not going to trade in and out of it. I, I just, I think it's kind of silly to do that. Uh, where on the other hand, um, I mean, I'm also, these are COVID plays. I think that there, I think COVID is going to spin out an awful lot of activity in air filtration. I think they, I think that's going to be a new wave. I think that, of course, air filtration is already on airplanes. Um, it's probably not necessarily as effective when it's on uh, cruise lines, like, like uh, Carol, uh, Carnival. Um, if people want, if people want to go back to, to cruises, they're going to demand that the ship be clean. And I did another poll on that as well. You know, would you take would you take a cruise line ship if it was actually clean and they could verify it? And people say, yeah. So there was something going on there as well. So I'm looking at air filtration 
as a as a an outcome and new business opportunity from uh, the COVID thing. Another one I'm very interested in right now, and I've done a lot of research on the technology of it, is graphene. Uh, graphene is the is the is the new magic material. Um, it was it, the guys who produced it won the Nobel Prize literally only in like 2014, if I recall. Um, it's an unbelievable material, and I think it's going to have an awful lot of very long-term impacts. And the biggest impact is going to be on electric vehicle batteries. Well, so it's a it's 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 like ten times stronger than steel and thirty times the electrical conductivity of copper. Uh, so it's it's a it's a game changer. So I look at that as being a a a a, a, a game a game changing long term uh, opportunity, much in the same way as like I, I posted this on on uh, Twitter as well. If you recall the movie uh, *The Graduate*, where Mrs. Robinson, that, that movie, the guy, the old guy, come over to the young guy and he says, "I only have one word for you: plastics." I think the same thing is potentially true. So I'm I'm looking at that as a long-term opportunity. That's a that's a that's a, a shift. That's a that's a paradigm shift in materials, as far as I'm concerned. So I've been posting a lot on that as well. So that's how I'm looking at it from a from a long-term, short-term, I just kind of follow the momentum. Got it. So you mentioned, uh, you know, your, your handle being the good prick and you ask uh, prick type questions. Good no. prick type questions. Uh, don't ask prick type questions. I ask hard questions. And it, it turns out when you ask hard questions, people think that you're a prick. Fair enough. I've, I've experienced that myself. Um, you mentioned <laughs> sort of liking the management of this company. Uh, this um, sort of, e-cigarette type thing. Um, how did you make that determination? So when you're asking hard questions and you're evaluating management, how do you, how do you, how, how do you think about it? And, and what, what are the things that you like to see versus don't like to see? And maybe if you want to share any interesting experiences where, where uh, you know, folks have turned you off, I think that you don't have to name oh. names, but I think that would be I think that the first thing you got to do is one is that when you put a CEO in a pressure position, um, the reaction has to be almost perfect. Okay. Once they start going off of, well, something of that type, or they start looking up in the air or they start, you know, body language to me is a very big thing. Um, so they start going like this and they start looking around and they, they, they try to avoid answering the question. And again, mm -hmm. I'm not, there are some questions that they can't answer and they should avoid. Okay. But when you're asking them questions that um, that uh, are meaningful with regard to the business, and they start to kind of get off on these tangents, or they lose sight of what they're talking about, that tells me that the CEO is not necessarily onto what he's engaged in. Okay, so that's number one. Um, I do want to see I do want to see a CEO squirm. In, in a way, I'm not saying squirm per se, but you know, I want to see the guy putting under pressure where he has to answer these hard questions. And I, I, I will not let them use the IR deck. I just said, put it away. Okay. And by the way, I want, as I think I've, I've been written, I've been writing about this on, on Twitter. Tell me what you do in 25 words or less. Right. Mm -hmm. but about 26 words. I'm starting to go like this. I'm nodding off. I mean, if the guy can't tell you that person can't tell you that something is wrong. Okay, and the, the guy who the guy who really expresses this very very well is Adam Epstein. I'm not quite sure if you know the fellow. 
But he wrote he is, the perfect corporate board book, right? Yes, he did. Yeah. And he he yeah. is he is a guy that is, in my opinion, I have that one. I just love the guy. I just love the guy because he is very, very again, he's very blunt, he's very forward, and he knows everything because he's seen it all. Okay. And the one thing that he keeps he, he just keeps he's shocked at is that he is he is uh, amazed when you ask a CEO, tell to me in, tell me tell me what you do simply, and they cannot. Then you know he 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 is right on. It's like they cannot do it. So yeah, that one. Yep. He he. I would read his book and I would listen to him and I would follow him um, as you can because he is very clear in what he thinks are some with regard to companies and boards and management and things of that type. But what yeah, this might be a reread like, for me because I've re I read it years ago and uh, I thought it was very good at the time. And um, I find a, I find a lot of these things like. When you revisit these some of these topics, it's like you join the river midstream, and you know, you, you know, you're kind of different, and you you bring a different sort of set of baggage or learnings to it, and you know, it's sort of like you you can go back to it as you evolve, and you draw different things from it, sort of like that. I don't know, like, like the Bible in a way, or something like that. Uh, that that's actually a pretty good Bible um, in a way, for, particularly for, for boards. Okay. When I was on when I was on the board of this company, um, his his advice not given directly, but his advice was I thought was right on the money. I mean, I, I met the guy, I talked to him, I listened to his his his, um, his uh, conversations and and conferences and things. That's like I just sit there and nod my head. You know, it's, it's his first thing is, is that if you can't tell the story in less than twenty five minutes, less than twenty five words, he's also of that opinion. You, you're gonna you're gonna suffer as a business as a business um, leader. Yeah, if you don't know who you are, then you don't. How do you know where you're going? Right. The, some of the worst yeah. ones. It's really question. The worst ones are the life sciences, okay? Because the the, the, the simple answer is, well, we have a we have an activity going on where we think we can cure Alzheimer's. Okay, thank you. That's what I want to know. But when they start talking about their drug and what they're doing, or they even tell you that they're into the Alzheimer things, that's when they start to lose it. I mean, it's very, 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 very. Um, common when you look at um, uh, the life sciences guys, guys and gals. I mean, it's crazy. I mean, the easiest one, for example, is like they make new, they make buses. Okay, so the answer is, what do you do? We make buses. Oh, that, that to me is is the, is the ultimate of being able to be very straight and forward. Then the investor can say, okay, what kind of buses do you make? A variety of buses. We make both CNG buses and EV. Well, how's the EV business going? The EV business is going quite well. That permits me, as a questioner, to to try to go into these areas where I have background, I have knowledge, I've done the due diligence, and now I can now I can probe. And if I'm probing, what I want to probe for is I want to probe for where that rabbit hole is. Okay. Right. Once I find the rabbit hole, I will dig that rabbit hole until I'm you know, and then I'll sit down. I'll I'll just walk up. Literally, I will shut a bill. I will shut off an interview in 15 minutes if I found the rabbit hole. Right. I don't care. I mean, really. That, I, Tell you, I care, I care very, very strongly. At some point in time, I just don't care when all of a sudden you find things that go to shit fast. Other guys lying to you. Mm. The best, the best story though was the one. I, it's on the, it's on the portion of the, uh, the thing I wrote. I, I, I sat down. I, I, I did the background on this one guy who's a CEO, and the guy is totally brilliant. I mean, it's he has, he has academia, like going out of stock academic my god the guy is brilliant okay just based upon what he's what he's achieved so i asked him well why are you the ceo and he's 
well, I invested in the company. And I said, well, that's, that's, that's an investment. Why are you running a business? <laughs> that, was, that was the most important one. That was like, oh, my God, <laughs> Jesus. And was, that, I mean, then, I, then I said, oh, my God, this guy's an idiot. And then I turned to his, his buddy and I said, what do you do? He says, I'm the COO. I said, yeah, well, that's a title, but what do you do? <laughs> so, again, I mean, I, I just, I go right for it, you know? I go that's, right for it. That's good. I'm actually, I'm actually picking up some, some nuggets here myself because uh, the, my, my uh, hard questions tend to be nuanced ones. I think uh, I like how you use blunt objects. <laughs> yeah. I got I got to get a sledgehammer or two in my toolkit. Bat, I don't carry a bat, so I try to be nice. That's funny. That's funny. The nice prick. The good prick, you know. That's why that's why it balances, you know. It's too funny. So where 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 else where else should we go from here? I I I feel like uh we've we've drawn out some of these different topics. Um Yeah, there's a little there's a little bit of everything. I I think the thing that goes in is that you go you, you originally started this with lessons learned. Um, yeah, and, and I and I still think that there are there are a ton of lessons learned. Um, you know, hang on, let me pull up something. I've, I've been writing. I've been writing on this, so let me just see if I can clarify. Get my own uh, document up here. Um, so I'll just read off the, the the headlines, not the headlines, the bold lines of things that I think are important. And excuse me while I'm offline here, reading off to my off to my. Uh, oh, I can put it in front of me. Hang on. So I think the first thing that that I've looked at from a standpoint of lessons learned or how to invest or whatever you want to call it is first of all self-evaluation. I think I mentioned that briefly. Uh, the idea of self-evaluation is is the idea of uh, are you emotional? What do you do? How old are you? Um, do you have time to trade? Do you need to have self? Do you need to get instant instant gratification? Can you last a long time? Um, what, what, how does trading fit into your lifestyle? Um, do you have patience? And of course I started out with none, literally have no patience. I mean, I haven't got any patience for anybody, a little bit like being the good prick. I'm going to patience for anybody. So I think you have to learn who you are and, 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 and determine who you are and then determine whether or not any of this trading methodology fits your lifestyle. And that's, that's kind of the first thing you have to do. I mean, it's a self-evaluation. Um, I think, as I said, I'm looking at the, the second one. I think we mentioned already is is that uh, what's your time frame? Your time frame actually should suit your your chosen self evaluation. Um, as I said, some people can day trade very readily, and I can't do it at all. So um, that would not be a time frame that I could I could handle. Not only that, but I'm, you know, if you have a job, a real job, you can't do it. Uh, and a real job, you may not even be able to do swing trading because you gotta have to be a little bit closer to the to the screen. So I think yep. you have to kind of figure out what your time what your time frame is and 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 account for that um, in the way in which you make trades. Um, the, the other thing is money management. Uh, that's just the issue of it's firstly the the biggest issue is stocks. Okay, when are you going to stop? And then there's a lot of else in it. It's got to do with I mean margin. I mean I have no idea why anybody would ever want to do margin. I mean it, that's that will kill you. So that that will suck up your money faster than anything else. And then the way yeah. you leverage is a tool. It's like fire. It can heat your house or it can burn it down, right? I mean, yep. most people I, don't I, know I, how I, to use it. Yep. I just avoid it. I don't, I don't think it's worth the the risk. And then money management is also risk management when you get right down to it. So there's a lot going on there. Um, the other part is earnings days. I don't hold over earnings. Um, 
that it tends to be a tends to me to be binary. Um, it's particularly binary in in some of these in some of these uh, active momentum stocks. Uh, so I think that those things, earnings days, have to be considered um, binary days. They, they can be good, yeah. they can be bad. You don't know what's going on. Don't again going back to being arrogant and certain. Don't even think that you know what's going to happen because you don't. Um, so earnings. Yeah, days I mean, there's things that we're involved in. They they beat their earnings a little bit, and it's like the reactions that we're getting out of these things are things that we even we we wouldn't expect. It's just right. It's, yeah. Right, and you've got you've got better information than most. So uh, yeah. again, I, my attitude is that just avoid them entirely. Um, you can always get back in again. Maybe you lose a few bucks, but maybe you basically don't lose a few bucks. So um, benefit that way. Um, Do you normally have a view on the earnings going into the print for the things that you're involved in? Or say that again. No. Do you normally have a view on earnings going into it, or you're you're just trying to avoid it entirely with your? I'm trying to avoid it entirely. Got it. Because yeah. you know what it's like. I mean, it's sell the news. Sell the news up, sell the news down. This, it yep. goes up, it, it it comes out of it, it comes out of it again, and then 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 um, and it fades. You know, there's, there's there's all kinds of the only thing that the only person I've seen who seems to have some level of a of a handle on it is this guy Trader Stewie. Uh, he has this thing called Power Earnings Gap. Pretty good. I mean, the, if you have a big gap on it, it, seems to work. So again, but you but you but you only enter it after the earnings. You don't expect. Yeah, we don't. I mean, by and large, we try to avoid that game. We're for, for the most part, we're long-term investors, and by that, I, I would right. say five years or more. Right. So, like so our view on a given quarter, right? You know, Absolutely we right. don't have one, and, and we and can't play that game. Discussion about time frames. Well, it's, but it's funny though, because you could because you could see, like we Eric and I talked about this. We could see it in certain stocks that we're involved in, where like there must be some sort of proprietary data set out there that's telling people to buy the hell out of the stock or sell it or whatever. Uh, going into the print because it's it's sort of like it's, but like we we just can't play that game because it's not we don't have that edge we don't have that data we don't have it in and to your original point i think the biggest thing that you're saying here is you've got to find an investment style that suits you and, and absolutely and, right and it's a self-discovery process and you just you just you know hit the hit the uh, hit the nail on the head when you sit down and say you're a long-term investor and you don't really care what's going to happen on a particular earnings day a trader, right. you're an investor, in my opinion. A right. trader who is basically looking at, you know, anywhere between, say, a few months of holdings or a few weeks of holdings, um, is trading in a different time frame. It's a completely different view of the way in which they want to hold this particular stock. So, yeah, very rarely do we do something on earnings. I mean, we only do something to sort of the extent that it might undermine our long-term thesis. And so if there's something right. in the that they announced with the earnings that undermine the reasons that we own it, well, then... You know, maybe then we'll look to do something. Uh, you know, and I think I can't remember a time I bought. It's been years since I bought a stock on earnings for. for You're like, more like, likely to sell on something like that than buy buy into something that you see. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 you know it's not it's not all uh, doesn't encompass every potential decision we might make. But yeah, I would say generally yeah. speaking, that's that's yeah, probably yeah. right. Yeah. yeah. One of the other things is that I, I have, and again, I'll go through these do's and don'ts. Uh, what I'm talking about is chasing, chasing share price. Um, I think that what happens is people get wrapped up in emotions. They see this thing going up, up, up. You know, it's the whole. You know, the whole story. It's, it's that it's that uh, rise and rise and decline chart that you see all the time. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that people get unin uninformed. People get uh, into a habit of chasing, uh, and then, then they get really they, they end up being the bag holders. 
Um, yeah, no, so, so we've noticed lately certain things just have taken on characteristics. I'll call them trading sardines. You know, you know that story about the, the sardine story where there, there's a great sar a sardine. It's a, it's a, like an old trading parable or something where there's this like great sardine mania and like the prices are going up and up and up and up. And the guy's like, oh, I'm going to have, uh, you know, I know it's really expensive lunch, but I'm actually going to open one of these cans and eat them. And he opened them up and they were awful. And he's like, why, why are these worth so much? They're awful. And, and, and the, trading, the trader next to him goes, those are, those are trading sardines, not eating sardines. Yeah, exactly. So we, yeah. Eric and I will frequently go, oh, you know, it's, it's taking on the characteristics of a trading sardine here. Uh, yeah, I think, so I think that when you're looking at the do's and don'ts, lessons learned, the good, the bad, and the ugly, one of the ugliest things I think that happens is that when people chase, particularly if they're chasing with margin, and then they get, uh, then they get hammered, you, mm -hmm. you, you probably know that you probably know the names of some of these players that are out there. They're waiting for stocks like this, and then they're waiting for it to, to do that, and they stop the hell out. I'm mean, short the hell out of it. Um, there's this one guy who's made a few million dollars, an individual who's made it, who's very very prominent on on uh, Twitter, uh, who will who waits and waits and waits, and then shorts the hell out. So um, chasing has to be learned. Um, I, yeah. as I said, I found it back when the, I looked at this uh, UBB stab. Uh, thing and I started looking at it and it's it's so normal so it's so readily available and of course the other problem associated with it is is uh, buying high and selling low and that's that's right. a corollary to the to the same thing and I talked about this already is listening too much to others I mean I never turn the television on I I, I don't even turn the radio or the television on a Kramer or anything I don't I just don't yeah. okay um, I do listen to some of my friends on Microcap Club uh, because I think they're they're pretty smart. Um, the other element that I'm looking at is focus on what you know. Uh, so, for example, is that I know tech, I know engineering, I know power, I know. So I don't know mining, I don't know life sciences, I don't know REIT. There's not a chance in hell that I'm even going to get anywhere near those things because I know that I, I don't even have the don't even have the right skill set to ask the right question. I certainly don't have the right skill set to ask the hard question. Right. So there are things that you should stay avoid because you just don't understand them. Right. All right. Another one, if you want to continue, I mean, the other one is thinking that you understand the market. <laughs> if you think that you understand the market, you may as well go home. Okay. Right. And, uh, so the other thing about it is also this, uh, if you're looking around at different Twitter handles or forums or anything of that type, there are things that you should just run away from. Okay. Uh, they're, they're phrases that you hear all the time. They are things like somebody knows something or there she goes. Or the market makers are manipulating this stock. It might be true a little bit, but you know, um, up, up and away. You know, all this, all this cheering bullshit that ultimately ends up filling. They, they, to me, they all sound like boiler room. You know, yeah. And they make the, they make people chase. So stay away from chasing. Stay away from these guys. I mentioned creating a plan. Um, I also mentioned being self-aware. You know, and then I get into what is technical analysis and how it works and why it could be valuable to your, to your wealth. You know, or at least to to uh, some of the aspects. So I'm I'm going through this thing, trying to sit down and, and uh, get into some detail on the specifics. I mean, it's good to tell it's good to tell somebody don't chase. Yeah, thank you very much. But how do I not chase? You know, um, I think yeah. yes, yeah. it's 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 uh, those are all. I think uh, I think you ran through them all pretty well, and we'll probably have to go back and uh, have back on to go through them one at a time, and maybe expand upon some of those things because I think how you learn those lessons it's those are lessons you don't learn unless you've been taught them from experience 
Right so. now, right now, this this document that I'm writing is yep. eight pages long. Oh my goodness! Yeah, it's yeah I, I have a I have a probably two pager of just lessons learned uh, yeah. over over time, and I, I should go back and update it because it's probably been yeah, probably two years since I've updated it, but it'd be a good exercise. So yeah, you, now you got me writing again, Eric. Uh, what do you think? Uh, Want to land the plane? Yeah, no, I appreciated the conversation. Uh, Kevin, it's been great to have you on. I, I really I thank you. It's a great way to kick off the new year. Um, something that we could all keep in mind as we as we go through our investing through 2021. Um, we can find you on Twitter at The Good Prick. You're also on the Investors Roundtable quite a bit. Um, any Anywhere else people could go to find out more information on you? Probably not. I tend to I tend to keep yeah. a low profile. Uh, you know, the, the whole thing about the Twitter came came as a result of a challenge from Mr. Robert Kraft and Stephen Keel during one of the one of the roundtable sessions. And it was kind of a big joke for a while, but I got into it. And, That's funny. You know, but it stuck and we owe our gratitude to them. So we, so we yeah. can thank producer Bobby for the uh, for the for the the, the the Twitter personality you've taken on. Oh yeah, there you go. It'll be interesting. <laughs> we'll see how it turns out. You know, it's. I had a I had a friend, a guy who's already been on for quite some time, suggest that I do this. Ten years ago, when I first joined, <laughs> and um, his comment to me was, "This makes you a better trader." Okay, because what it does is it forces you to be more right. Yeah. Or you you want to be more right if you're out there sticking your head out, you know, and. Uh, waiting for things to happen. So it, it, it actually, for me, it, it can be an improvement. I'm already beginning to see that um, it, it is indeed making me, if I'm commenting on something, I damn well better be right. You know, so. Yeah, I mean, if there's the strong accountability there, then like, you know. Right. It should be. Yeah. So you're gonna get up to how many followers and then when do you start your OnlyFans page? Well, I have, I have let me just check. Um, <laughs> Six hundred and thirty-two, which is surging, you know. And when I reach, when I reach, probably when I reach seventy-five, I'll probably stop my own podcast. Mm. No, because I'll have there you tons, go. tons of people. That's funny. <laughs> we look forward to it, Kevin. Yeah. yeah thank, thank you for being on. So uh, okay, guys. Thanks enough a lot. Uh, remember myself. Thank you. Hey, you can take find care. us anywhere podcasts are available. Check us out at inthemarkettrenches.podbean.com. Check us out at snn.network. You can find us out on the SNN YouTube channel. That's youtube.com slash snnwire. Thank you very much, everyone. Look forward to talking with you soon. Hey, guys. Thank you. Thanks, Kevin. Take care. Take care. The information in this podcast is educational in general in nature and does not take into consideration the listener's personal circumstances. Therefore, it is not intended to be a substitute for specific individualized financial, legal, or tax advice. To determine which strategies or investments may be suitable for you, consult the appropriate qualified professional prior to making a final decision.